what I do I want to ask a question that I think might be dumb or silly as a new nurse or do I want to ask this five years into my career and then somebody's saying why do you not know this yet so welcome to the health science coach podcast my name is Drew Garner and I'm a health science and physical education teacher this is a podcast to help students parents and recent graduates learn about pathways into healthcare and sports medicine careers these industry professionals lay out how their experiences have helped them get to where they are now. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe to the channel or download through your podcast player. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. Now let's dig in. Today we get the pleasure of meeting with Brianna Weisbrod. She is a family nurse practitioner in a highly ranked Midwest healthcare system. Thank you for joining me today to discuss your career and what you do as a nurse practitioner. We're glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I kind of know what a nurse practitioner does, but can you give us a little detail about what a family nurse practitioner does and what your career kind of looks like now? Yeah, so a family um, nurse practitioner means that I was certified um, in family medicine when I finished my schooling. And family medicine is, um, the quick way to say it is birth to grave, meaning that we are treating everyone at every age um, for really anything, any condition. Um, family medicine providers are usually outpatient in a clinic setting, um, giving clinic care versus in a hospital, though um, right now I do a little bit of clinic and hospital work um, in my current career. Okay. Um, so what does a typical day in the life of kind of look like as far as being a nurse? My current day is I work four days a week. So today is my kind of day off, though. Um, what that really means is I'm catching up on my charts. I'm answering inbox messages. I'm refilling medications. And then my other four days are spent in clinic where I see um, 16 patients. Um, that can be an annual exam for an adult, a well child annual visit for a child. Um, I do a lot of chronic disease management. So people that need follow-ups outside of their annual exams for their diabetes or high blood pressure. Um, and then we see some acute care visits. So somebody who has an acute respiratory illness, um, sore throat, if they have hurt themselves and they need an x-ray, it all kind of just gets mixed into the day. Um, and then um, there are other days where I go into the hospital on the pediatrics floor. I see the newborn babies and check them over, make sure they're doing well, um, follow them for their hospital stay and make sure that they can, they're doing everything they need to do to be a baby and that they're safe to go home. Right. Yeah, I remember bringing our daughter home the first day and that was a, uh a pretty interesting day to, to bring them home and have them in your house by yourself without the nurses there helping out. Um, as far as, you know, as a nurse practitioner, what are you able to kind of talk to those parents about um, when they're bringing their kid home on that last day? It's a lot of um, expectant management, meaning when you get home, um, this might happen. These are the things we need to look for. I have my whole script. If the baby has a fever, if the baby looks yellow, come to the ER. Otherwise, 
Um, you know, usually they see us in clinic a couple days later, but if they don't, I talk about how they're going to need to eat more, how they will keep losing weight, and that's okay, how they're going to be super sleepy, and that's okay too. Um, I always talk about um, they get really gassy at four weeks, and that's an important note because I will definitely see you in clinic at four weeks if I don't tell you this because you'll think they're not tolerating something, you'll think you're lactose intolerant, etc. So um, it's lots of anticipating questions that are going to come up, especially new parents, to say, you're going to do great, this is going to happen, and it's normal, and you know where to find us if you have any questions. Okay. Um, so let's kind of look at your schooling for a little bit. Uh, you decided to go to the University of Kansas, and you have your Bachelor's of Science in Nursing from there. Um, you're not originally from Kansas, so how did you kind of pick KU as your school of choice? So, um, well, the theme of my life seems to be just as opportunities come up, I say yes. Um, and so when I was in high school here in Minnesota, one of my friends said, hey, I'm going to go, we were juniors or seniors, hey, I'm going to go tour this school in Kansas. I want to go into journalism. KU is known for journalism. Do you want to come with? Sure, great. At the time, I was planning to do occupational therapy. Um, I was going to go to a really expensive private school in Minnesota to do that. And I got to KU and thought, wow, this is so beautiful. I love this campus. The weather is so much better. Um, I'm going to pay this extra money <laughs> to go to a private school. So why don't I go out of state and just pay that money there and have a little bit more fun? So. Um, I applied and got accepted and my mom cried and but um, it just seemed like a, a something to do at the time get away from home experience something new so I went for it. Okay that's pretty cool yeah uh, we have that same KU connection uh, for my master's degree as well. Um, so you, you thought about occupational therapy how did you switch from that into kind of deciding to go the nursing route? Yeah, so um, th this is going to sound strange to say now that I have gone to grad school twice, but once I looked into occupational therapy more and saw you don't really have a job until you've gone through grad school, it's more schooling, I thought maybe I'll do something more four-year. Um, I actually, the, the um, place where my mom works, where I work now, um, allows for um, students to come work in the summertime. And so I took a summer job between my freshman and sophomore year um, back up here working in an interventional radiology area with nurses. And they kind of, um, bullying is a strong word, but they really pushed me all summer to say, I think you really want to do nursing. And these are all the reasons why. And the more I thought about it, um, what really sold me was how flexible nursing is. There are so many different areas you can find a nurse. If you don't right. like working in the hospital, you go to a clinic, you go to a school, you go to a corporation. Um, it just seemed like the opportunities were so much bigger to go into nursing um, in terms of, and then in terms of job availability too. Okay. Um, well, yeah, that's pretty interesting that you kind of had that experience and they kind of guided you towards that. Um, as far as your experience in nursing schools at KU, what kind of stood out to you uh, about that program? We just got done taking a tour of KU Med new facilities, and we had the opportunity to speak with, I think, nine different uh, uh, 
career paths of students. Um, as far as nursing goes, what kind of stood out to you uh, that you really loved about the program and what they had to offer? Well, um, at the time, uh, the, the KU program just had a lot of prestige behind it. It was known for getting um, a little bit hard to get into. Um, there was a lot of different clinical opportunities that I had heard about. You get to go into a lot of places. You know, when I went through nursing school, it was all in person. You didn't do online clinicals. Um, and so seeing KU kind of right in the middle of Kansas City, I saw that you could go to all sorts of different kinds of settings for your training, which for me, I really wanted to immerse myself in every single different kind. Right. Um, and while you were there, <clears throat> you worked as a CNA at an in-home nursing facility as well. Mm -hmm. um, how did that opportunity kind of prevent it, pre present itself? Uh, and what did you gain while you were doing that? Yeah, so when I was in nursing school, we were actually required to get our CNA or our home health aid. And so I took that test and passed. And, um, and you know, it makes sense that they make you do that because it is, it's especially for my style of learning, I am a doer. I can read about something all day long, but once I see it once, I'm going to remember that experience forever. So um, I actually worked in home hospice and then kind of long-term home health patients, um, people that um, were quadriplegics and just needed ongoing care. Um, and so I was able to see, um, you know, wounds and all sorts of different things. And then, th and that was actually the best job I've ever had working in hospice. There's something really special about going into somebody's home that knows they don't have much time left. And I just went in and helped them take a bath or, you know, help them get dressed, you know, nothing right. too out there. Um, but to sit there and talk with them and hear about their experiences, you know, learning to talk with somebody who's sick or hurting is not a skill you just, you just read in a book or whatever. You really have to learn to talk with people and learn compassion and listen. And that's really the foundation of any healthcare career, I think. And so that was the absolute perfect place to start. Yeah, and I think with that, it kind of goes into your next <clears throat> job opportunity that you had um, as a staff registered nurse at, at Methodist Hospital, um, you know, being able to talk with those people that are in home hospice care. Um, you worked on the chemo floor, um, mm -hmm. dealing with patients that had uh, different types of cancer. Um, can you ex talk a little bit to that uh, experience that you had with them? Um, so that was... That was the next phase of an opportunity just being presented to me. I had no plans to be a cancer nurse when I graduated. Um, I thought maybe I wanted to do pediatrics or psych. And I applied um, just kind of generally. And they said, hey, we're giving you this interview in um, hematology oncology. And I went, okay, I don't know if I want to do that. Right. Um, I'll interview and I'll meet and um, ended up loving it. I um, stayed in, you know, even leaving that job, I stayed in cancer care for 14, 13 years um, because I enjoyed it so much. And it was, again, a uh, 
a special job where you get to know people, you get to know their families, you see them. I, I saw a lot of leukemia lymphoma patients who can be hospitalized for months. And so again, developing that really close relationship with patients, um, I enjoyed I enjoyed that. I enjoyed treating cancer, but that was also kind of the start of me thinking, maybe I want to someday move into preventing cancer. Where does where do these patients come from? They just show up, hey, I've got leukemia, I got diagnosed by my primary care provider. And I started to think about the steps that come before that. How do we how do I want to be in the part where we're preventing people from even getting to this? So during that time, also, you were in charge of scheduling shifts for nurses. Uh, what goes on, I guess, like how do you choose who goes when and, and what days they work as far as days, nights, uh, days off, that kind of stuff? So um, people are hired into a day evening versus a day night shift um, when they're hired by the manager. And so usually there's a percentage where you need to be doing a night shift or that evening shift. Um, people will put in what they're hoping for for time off, but then my job was to make sure there was enough nurses on the floor to meet the census. So it wasn't uh, a super popular job. Because right. <laughs> uh, if people didn't get what they wanted, then you just you either had to switch for somebody or you were in trouble. But it was also nice because if it worked out for you, you could take a full week off with a 12 hour shift and not use any of your vacation. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, so then after that, uh, you worked there for a couple of years. Uh, you took another job as a uh, registered nurse study coordinator and mm -hmm. did research and study development. Um, what kind of, uh, I guess, studies did you work on as far as uh, research goes? So I worked, um, I stayed in oncology, but it was called Oncology Symptom Management. An old coworker of mine from Methodist um, was working over there and I saw her one day and she said, you should apply for this job. So I said, okay. And uh, never thinking that I would get hired because it was kind of a coveted clinic job, normal hours, um, but I did. And so um, one of the oncologists that I worked for, um, they had received funding for several years for symptom management. So what that means is any of the side effects that come with being treated for cancer, unfortunately, chemotherapy has a lot of side effects. Surgery has a lot of side effects, the radiation. So we would do studies on cancer-related fatigue. We would do studies on nausea, vomiting that comes with chemotherapy. Um, the oncologist I worked for saw a lot of breast cancer patients. And so we would look at hot flash studies for women with breast cancer because they can't take hormones, um, peripheral neuropathy studies. We were using a machine to treat peripheral neuropathy that was invented by this crazy scientist guy in Rome. So we got to go to Rome and train on this machine. Um, but what I did was kind of the nursing part of it. So I would consent people to the study. Um, I would follow them throughout the study, assess for side effects, um, collect information on how they were feeling with the medication, teach them about the medication, um, and then report that back to the study investigators so that they were able to you know, evaluate it and publish. Okay. Um, and then as you had mentioned before, you know, you had said you'd gone to grad school twice. Um, 
in, uh, you graduated in 14 from Winona State University. Um, how did you kind of choose to go back and get your master's of science in clinical nursing specialist? So while I was working in research, which I really liked, um, uh, I kind of heard about this type of um, program for clinical nurse specialists. So when someone is an advanced practice RN, they are either a clinical nurse specialist, a nurse practitioner, a nurse midwife, um, or a nurse anesthetist. And so the clinical nurse specialist uh, role really appealed to me because it's practice, meaning seeing patients, um, but also the research part of it, doing quality improvement activities, and then also education. So you kind of got those three pieces rolled all into one. And um, and I really like that idea, again, as right. being somebody that likes a lot of different things, a lot of different opportunities, that seemed like the right one for me. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and then when you graduated, you came back in, uh, to Kansas and worked for University of Kansas Health Systems, uh, again, in the oncology department as a clinical nurse specialist. Um, how, what kind of made you want to come back to Kansas, I guess, to work for a while? Um, so um, I got married okay. and my husband and I, again, were hating winter. We're sensing a theme here. Um, and, you know, a clinical nurse specialist is a very systems level role. And so a health system will only have, you know, a dozen, maybe 20. And so there's not a lot of those types of jobs available. You kind of do have to travel for them. Right. Um, and I did want to stay in oncology. And so it was kind of um, a coincidence in, you know, Googling or Indeed or whatever I was on, oncology CNS, that KU came up. As hiring, and I was like, "Oh, I know that. Place. I know that place. Right. It's all the friends back there. It's warmer." And so I applied there. I applied to a job in San Francisco and Colorado. Um, but the thing about advanced practice nurses is every state has different laws in terms of how you're able to practice. Um, some of them you are pretty heavily supervised, and your scope is pretty narrow. And so Colorado was one of those states. I wasn't really interested in that. Um, California seemed a little too far from home, um, and I really liked what they were doing at, at KU. Um, very novel, always open to new ideas, and so we decided to to go back to Kansas City. Yeah, that's a pretty nice place to be. <laughs> um, and then, so while you were there, uh, you also decided to go back to school again uh, through Graceland University and get that Family Nurse Practitioner Certificate. Um, what kind of made that decision of, you know, going from the specialist to the nurse practitioner? Um, so that was about the time that we were starting to talk about maybe moving back to Minnesota to be by our family. Um, we had had one of our kids by then. And again, getting back to that CNS role where there's just not a lot of those jobs. Um, right. I had kind of thought about nurse practitioner. Um, and then that was kind of when I had started to think, maybe I wanna get into primary care um, and, and start to prevent some of these cancers if I can, work with patients on, on that. Um, and so I, I decided to, to go for it. And um, the day I found out I got in, I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> so it was a doozy of a program. Yeah, um, but it was only 18 months and and 
you know, at that point I had been in medicine for so long. Um, it was not that bad of a program to have that kind of foundation. Um, so then speaking about the program that you went through for, for Graceland University, um, was that an online program or was it a hybrid or how did that kind of develop? It was hybrid, mostly online. Um, there is a campus in Independence, I think. Um, but all of my classes were online except for some of the skills type things where we had to go in and demonstrate our skills on the campus. Um, all of the clinicals were in person still though. I went to some rural areas in Kansas, which, which was nice. Okay. Um, so then once you graduated, you got your, your degree um, and is that when you decided to go back to Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And, and got your job as a family nurse practitioner? Yep. Good. Yep. Um, so thinking about becoming a nurse practitioner, I have several students that have said eventually that that's what they want to become. Um, mm -hmm. Why should someone become a nurse practitioner? So I, I think most people that are nurse practitioners, the ones I know really, really love their job. Um, it's, it's a good, you know, physician's assistant is a similar role and those people are, well, I can only assume very smart because most of them go into it not having years and years of clinical experience like a nurse practitioner. Um, and so I, I was glad I went the nurse practitioner route because I had all those years of building on the foundational knowledge and feeling like I kind of already knew what was going on going into it. Um, again, depending on your state, but it's getting better in terms of authority. Um, you get to be here. I get to practice completely independently. I don't need to check in with anybody. I don't need to have somebody sign off my orders. Um, I get to manage all of my patients and in family medicine. Again, that's such a cool thing. I work in a small town, so I, I truly see families. I watch the babies be born in the hospital and then I follow them as they grow up. I see their parents. I see their grandparents. Um, and it's really, um, you know, unless you're doing all urgent care to be in family medicine, you really develop these relationships. You're a part of the community. You're the, the, the local provider, you know, for people, um, at least rural where I work. And um, it is such a, a short, it's so there's so many openings for these jobs. It is a guaranteed job. Um, you get a lot of satisfaction out of it. You're never slow. I mean, if you're somebody that likes to be busy, this is the job for you. And, um, and it pays well. Um, if you can find a good place, you know, that they offer a lot of benefits. I just took my kids to, um, Disneyland last week because there was a conference that my job paid for to, to send me to and you're just always always learning there's always something new coming out it's there's always something new to learn whether it's knowledge or skills um, in the clinic um, it's you're just never going to be bored right um, so you mentioned physician assistant and nurse practitioner what is what you are now um, and then of course there's a physician as well um, what's kind of the difference between the three? Um, so 
Uh, obviously, a physician has gone to school a lot longer. They have spent time in residency and they've specialized into their family medicine role. Um, where I work, there is um, a swing bed hospital upstairs. And so the doctors will work up in the hospital there and then also down in the clinic um, versus I'm just working in the clinic and then traveling to another city to work just with the, the babies. Right. Um, Patients ask me a lot what the difference is in terms of my scope. And I say, well, I can't sign for diabetic shoes. And that's about the only difference there. Um, physician's assistants, I, they've had a lot more, in ter at least comparing to a family medicine nurse practitioner, um, they've had a lot more specialty um, training. So um, I have a, a colleague in clinic who is a, physician's assistant and he knows a lot more about emergency medicine than me and the acute people that come in yeah. um, so he has a unique skill set there too okay um, so you kind of mentioned there uh, that you have some patients that ask you about that um, what are some misconceptions that you think might be out there about what a nurse practitioner is or does or is able to do um, I think a lot of people um, think that if they if they say well so you're not a doctor then it is are you just a nurse then and not to put nurses down because i do say i'm a nurse um but i think a lot of people get confused about what um what exactly do you call us do you consider us a nurse or do you consider us like a doctor and a lot of people will say mid-level providers um some nurse practitioners think that's offensive. I don't. It makes sense to me. You're kind of just right in the middle. Um, but, you know, I think it, it, at least for me in Minnesota, the misconception is I can't do as much or I don't know as much um, about the topic. In Minnesota, I can do as much and I often do know as much too because I'm one of the older people there. <laughs> and so I've even there's younger doctors there, but they've been in practice a lot um, less time than me. Okay. Um, and as far as you mentioned going to Orlando for the conference, um, what kind of professional development do nurse practitioners need to do? Do you have a certain yearly or uh, bi-yearly amount of hours that you have to, to have? So for my licensing in the state, um, I need so many hours, I think it's 30 every two years of continuing education for my certification um, as a nurse practitioner. That's every five years, I believe. Yep, every five years. And that, that breaks it, that's broken down a little bit more. So we need a certain number of hours, but we also, within that, we need a certain number of pharmacology hours with medications. Um, and uh, there's a kind of a points-based system. If you've done research, if you've, um, if I teach, if I precept somebody, I get so many points and you have to reach that point level. Um, I also have my DOT certification, Department of Transportation for truck drivers, and that has some certification requirements as well. Um, and then most recently, Minnesota's required some more um, opioid prescribing specific, yeah. specific education because of the ongoing opioid crisis. Um, they're requiring annual um, education now for that. Um, so I guess that kind of goes into the next question as far as industry trends. I know that opioid addiction is 
is one of the big ones that's out there right now, um, especially, mm -hmm. you know, seeing some, some cases of fentanyl and some stuff like that in our area. Um, what other industry trends do you kind of see as a, a nurse practitioner? Um, well, since the last, um, for, or for the last couple of years with the pandemic, there has been a very rapid increase in telehealth. Um, the place I was working was just starting to dip their toes into video visits um, through our patient portal. And with COVID, that rapidly became a priority. Um, they want us to have 20% of our visits every day to be a video visit. Gotcha. And um, I think too, that became a lot more comfortable to patients because it had to be too with the pandemic. So that has really become um, almost the norm. I mean, even when we have a sick baby in the hospital I work at, we can video into a neonatologist somewhere else and they're over our shoulder telling us what to do. Um, so that is a huge trend. Um, and then continuing to expand the practice authority for nurse practitioners. I know a lot more states are, are expanding that, but there's work that continues to need to be done. Um, Kansas is one of them. I'm still on one of those Facebook groups where they're talking about um, you know, what, what the work they continue to do in the legislature. Um, and then there's a huge, huge shortage of family medicine doctors, and that's only going to get worse. Um, there is a trend for doctors to go into specialty. It tends to pay more. Um, and so they, they've really started to look to nurse practitioners to start to fill those holes of these doctors that they can't. I mean, there's always an open position at our clinic, and they just can't keep, can't keep them filled. Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting about, you know, I mean, a lot of those doctors are getting to that age of retirement and where they're able to, you know, like you said, always looking for positions for family medicine. I thought it was also really interesting. The uh, They were wanting you to have 20% of your visits be uh, through telehealth. Um, and that wow. that's quite a bit, which, yeah. I mean, makes it makes a lot of sense because you could see that they're you know hey you just need to monitor this issue going on or you know yeah. we go to the hospital now yeah yeah and i can tell you i have yet to meet that 20 percent goal um you know a lot of people just aren't comfortable with that especially older populations some of them are really savvy but a lot of people just don't want to have to um deal with technology or some people just aren't comfortable if i don't feel good why are you just looking at me on a computer but it works really well for mental health follow-up um, that's another big trend is online psychiatric care is huge huge i mean if you want to make a lot of money as a nurse practitioner going to psychiatric nurse practitioner um, because that is months and months wait and when somebody needs that kind of provider they need it right now um, but there's even um, things now where uh, trucks will drive around to the smaller towns in our area with a nurse. The patient gets on the truck. There's a stethoscope. There's a, you know, otoscope. And you say, put the stethoscope on their chest. I'm going to listen to it through my computer. I mean, you could even do a physical exam now in some of these areas, which is really, really cool. Yeah, that's really neat. I I haven't seen those yet, but that'd be something to look into to, to try to get one of those up here at the school for our students to kind of play around with. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I think, you know, being in the healthcare industry now for 18 years, um, I have an idea of what you're going to say for this one, but professionally, what are you most proud of achieving so far? Ooh, I'm curious what you would say. Um, you know, actually, I think my, um, one of the most things I'm proud about is that I've been able to obtain um, uh, the level of assistant professor where I work, which is unusual for any nurse practitioner and is actually pretty unusual for a um, doctor to obtain. And I've done that through work those all those years I was in research yeah. um, in symptom management, also as a clinical nurse specialist where I was able to conduct research and publish and contribute to the science. That's really how you get to that level. So um, I, I was a little proud that day I got that designation because it was the first one in the clinic to get it. And there was people that had been there for a long, long time. And that's not something that you just, you know, do over a weekend or a month. That's years right. and years and years of, of work. Yeah, well, that's, that's, I didn't know that about you, but that's really cool. I, I had seen that you had had several publications uh, from your research, which is also really interesting. Um, I worked at a research lab at KU, the Energy Balance Lab on weight loss research. Um, oh, wow. A little bit familiar with how that kind of stuff takes uh, so much time to get into and, you know, work out all the, the writings and the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool to be able to have that designation of being able to teach as well. Um, if you could go back and change something during your path to where you are now, um, is there anything that you may have done differently or done sooner or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. You know, in talking about my career, the one thing that I didn't confess in terms of being a nurse practitioner was I had thought about being a nurse practitioner back when I was on the nursing floor. Um, but I thought I couldn't do it. I thought it's a hard program. It's super competitive. I don't know if I've got what it takes. And so I went into research first and then I kind of skirted along the edge of that with the clinical nurse specialist. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did all of those things. I gained from that, but also I'm kind of mad at myself for doubting it because I did do it and I got in and I'm doing it. And um, you know, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Nobody's told me otherwise. So um, I wish I would have believed in myself a little bit more and really gone after what I had wanted to do. Yeah, I think that's really sound advice. Um, you know, just getting after what you what you your initial thought of what you wanted to be uh, is something really powerful to do and, and to achieve that degree. Um, so professionally, kind of where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Um, so I would like to, um, do some teaching, you know, I've done a lot of precepting of nurse practitioner students, um, but I've never formally gotten into either a RN program or a nurse practitioner program. Um, I haven't, it's not something I've looked into yet, but it's definitely right. something I want to be doing. I've been at my current job for going on four years. So I've just kind of entered that zone of comfort. So I think that would be a good next step is to, um, again, I want to do a little bit of everything. So continue in my current job, but maybe take a little piece of um, what one of my days to, to teach nurse practitioner students or RNs. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so speaking about teaching, we're going to look at a couple of different time frames of uh, people in their, in their life. Um, we're going to start off with some juniors and seniors in high school. 
um, thinking, you know, they want to become a nurse, they want to become a nurse practitioner. Uh, what advice do you have for that junior or senior that says that as far as um, maybe things that they should be being involved in currently? Yeah, definitely shadowing. Shadow, shadow, shadow. Um, when I thought I wanted to be an occupational therapist, I don't even know how I got that idea, but I didn't even know what that was. That's so I found somebody that did it. I followed them. I thought, well, this is pretty cool. Um, but, you know, contacting somebody and saying, hey, can I follow you for a day? Most places, as long as you sign a form that says you're not going to talk about your experience or, you know, patient privacy, will let you come in and follow somebody around for a day. And it also allows you to ask questions of what do you like about this job? What do you not like about this job? Um, what advice do you have about this? I think shadowing is something that everybody should do in high school, you know, if you're thinking about any job, because really, I know when I was a junior, senior, I didn't really understand jobs, <laughs> professional jobs and what they actually do, what that involves. So I think shadowing is the, my number one piece of advice. I, yeah, I, it's something that a lot of people have said, and I really think that that is a, a key thing, because like you said, when you're a junior and senior in high school, you really don't know those professional careers or even you know, what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. You may know the title and a, a description of what it is, but not the actual hands-on experience. Um, so then somebody that's a college undergraduate, you know, you're, they've taken a year or two of classes. Um, they found that nursing was their, their calling and they're getting ready to apply for school uh, and to get, in, get, to get into a nursing program. Um, what advice do you have for that age student? Um, so working as a CNA, as a home health aide, um, even as there was a time where I just helped somebody in their home who had cerebral palsy and needed somebody to take them out for walks, um, even just being with somebody that needed care um, is really helpful. I think that looks really good on an application as well. Um, it's not all about grades. It's about your life experience with it and being able to speak to, I think it helps people be able to speak to why they want to do something too. Like, Hey, I've, I've, I've dipped my toe in this and I like it and I'm good at it. And it, it shows a commitment to being a nurse when you've already started to work your way into it. Yeah. Um, and then let's look at a nurse that's getting ready to, or a nursing student that's getting ready to graduate and starting to look for their first job. Um, what advice do you have for them as far as uh, what they should be looking for? Like you said, you, you had no intention of going into oncology. You thought you had wanted to, to do something else as far as being a nurse. Um, so where, where, what advice, I guess, would you have for that student that's getting ready to graduate? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think everybody leaves nursing school with some idea of what kind of nurse they want to be. Um, and so, you know, that's an obvious answer to look for that. But I think it's also really important to look for a place that um, is going to allow advancement, uh, will allow you to, to change your mind and go to a different specialty, um, places that have opportunities for um, for expanding your education, whether that's, you know, just annual CME versus some places will pay for you to go back to school. Um, I, you know, at one point said I should have just done my LPN and then made my employer pay for my RN and then pay for my master's and et cetera. You know, you can save a lot of money starting off with a two year um, program. 
because a lot of places will pay for you to go back to school. So finding a place where you have that opportunity to go back if you want to, or you know, learn a different certification if if you like. Um, and you know, spending a lot of time to work talking with people that work there and saying, what do you like about this job? What do you don't like? about this job, looking at the reputation of a place is also really important um, because where you go depends on how many patients you're gonna see on a shift. You know, Do you wanna see 16 patients on a night shift or do you want a day shift where you have three patients? Um, there's a lot of little details in that, but the details are really important when we're talking about healthcare burnout because that's a real thing. And if you don't know what you're getting into, people burn out within a year. A lot of people um, leave a nursing job before a year's time. And so that's one thing that the place I work at has really worked on is keeping those nurses there that first year. So they talk a lot about onboarding, orientation, you know, are you gonna get thrown in after week one or is it three months of orientation? Because how great is that? Right. Um, you know, really getting those those details about a future. It's not just about the money. You know, you want all those other you want all those other benefits because they are often just as if not more important. Yeah. Um, and then speak kind of going off of that. You know, getting thrown in after a week or you know three months of orientation. Um, what advice do you have for someone that is you know maybe three to six months with their employee? Uh, what kind of things should they be continuing to focus on learning as a nurse? So the advice I gave myself when I started my nurse practitioner job, which at that point was what my fifth or sixth role. Um, and, I, and I'd said for three months, I said for these three months, six months, maybe um, I'm going to be really dumb. <laughs> and what that means is I, I told myself, this is your one chance to ask the dumb questions. This is your one chance to go to make a mistake, you know, and not that that's, that's not true, but you know, you don't, what I, do I want to ask a question that I think might be dumb or silly as a new nurse, or do I want to ask this five years into my career? And then somebody's saying, why do you not know this yet? So um, really ask a lot of questions, ask the, the dumb questions or what seem like dumb questions, make mistakes, 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 same within clinicals, make all the mistakes because you're supervised. <laughs> Not, you don't wanna make that mistake when you get out. So don't hold back, don't, you know, I, I can tell what nurses are not gonna do good because they don't ask questions. They act like they know everything. They think they know everything and that's really problematic. You can really get into trouble as a nurse, if you mess up, I mean, you're dealing with people's lives. So ask all the silly questions, ask, ask, ask over and over and over again. Yeah, I like that a lot. And kind of the silly question or dumb question, you know, it's a one that might seem obvious or you might think you know the answer, but might be kind of shy to, to ask that because you're like, oh, I, mm -hmm. I should know that. Right. Yeah. Um, a couple more questions for you, and then we'll let you get back to work. Um, do you have any book recommendations uh, for a high school or college student that might be coming uh, interested in being a nurse or a nurse practitioner? Oh, I was going to look into this question, and then I totally forgot. Um, but I do have a really good book that's healthcare related that I really liked when I was working in oncology called The Emperor of All Maladies. Um, it's a biography of cancer. So it's not medical, it's stories. And it talks about the first time um, somebody grew a tumor 
and um, nitrogen mustard in the war and how they used to treat cancer 500 years ago. It's, it's super, super interesting um, to know that biography of a disease that has had so many advances, but it's not technical, it's not scientific, it's just a right. really, really interesting story. I, I really liked it. Yeah, I think that definitely would be something for our students to check out and, and kind of just dive into, you know, as a, as a topic. Um, as far as likes and dislikes, so if you, this is a two-part question. If you dislike blank, then being a nurse practitioner is not the right career path for you. Um, if you dislike compromise, okay. <laughs> that this is not the career path. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, we know how to treat every disease. There's all, all the recommendations, all the guidelines, all the expert input on treating X, whatever it is. Yeah. When you have a patient sitting in front of you that has other things going on, maybe they don't um, have the ability to get to a pharmacy or they don't have the hand strength to check a blood sugar on themselves or they don't have the motivation or they're stressed or they're a caregiver, et cetera. I can give somebody all the recommendations, but to really help them follow that, that's where the art of medicine really comes in. You really have to know how to meet people where they are, know what their situation is when they leave the clinic because 30 minutes every six months is such a small chunk of their life. If you don't know what else they have going on, you're never gonna be able to help them manage their disease. Um, and so I treat all of my patients completely differently and it's they don't always listen to what I say or they don't always wanna do what I say. So we have to find something in the middle that's that's gonna work for them. And if you're not flexible like that, or if you don't feel comfortable adjusting how you practice to each situation, uh, some people really struggle with that. They wanna be by the book with everything. And unfortunately you just can't. All right, so the second part of this is if you do like blank, then being a nurse practitioner is the right career path for you. Um, if you like, people for sure that's true of any nurse you have to like talking with people meeting people establishing relationships um and then if you like autonomy with nurse practitioner is a great job if you like to be able to run your own practice have a panel of patients um really be at the bedside you know i don't really have office time i don't really have time to write papers anymore it's hands-on all the time um then then this is the job yeah, absolutely. Um, and do you have any quotes that you kind of live your, your life by as a nurse or a nurse practitioner? Um, I have one. I wrote it down. It's, it's kind of a general one. Let me find it. It's one of those ones you kind of put in the notes of your iPhone, you know? Right. Um, I can't remember where I heard it, but... Um, the quote is, be the cause of your life, not the effect. Okay. And how does that uh, relate to being a nurse practitioner for you then? So I think that I can kind of work that into my career as, um, you know, a kind of blazing my own path, finding what I've needed to do, um, making decisions um, for my own career versus um, doing what I felt like other people wanted me to do or being a kind of nurse that I thought other people wanted me to be. I've really developed my own 
um, practice and it's so far hasn't led me astray. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if someone's interested in finding out more about nurse practitioner, uh, is there a, a website that you would recommend or uh, a way that they could get in contact with you specifically? So uh, AANP is our national organization. It's probably .org. Um, that would be a good way to find out about uh, nurse practitioner. I'm not a big um, social media person, so I don't have Twitter or anything, but um, my email is brianna.lindquist, L-I-N-Q-U-I-S-T, um, at gmail.com. I'm happy to talk to anybody about any questions they have. Um, I love to talk about, about what I do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us today and, and telling us about your career as a nurse practitioner. And it was really exciting to, to connect and, and look back through your, your career path. Yeah. Thank you, Drew. It was good to see you. If you've made it this far into the episode, I want to thank you again for watching. Please subscribe, share, and comment below with any questions or comments you may have. If you're interested in more information about other professions within healthcare careers, please visit healthsciencecoach.com and talk to your school counselor or academic advisor. As always, stay happy, healthy, and live life with passion.